Shane Ain. Okay, now we live up in here. Up in Episode <laughs> 2, Shots Toasted and Melted, brought to you by your favorite people to ever throw water bottles down the hallway of a school. Um, Real quick, Masters, I don't think either of us really had too much Hideki. We obviously wish we had a little more, but your boy Willie's out. Got to be the no, new young gun coming out for the Americans. No question about it. There's no no way around that. No, I mean he's uh, <laughs> I love everything about this guy. Everything shows about up every, shows up in every statistic, and then when you actually watch him, I mean this is the first tournament that I've really watched like a lot of his golf, and I I love him even more after watching him because he's, golf golf broadcast is very weird depending on the network that. They just love certain guys that they'll just show guys who aren't even anywhere near the leaderboard, but they just will show them because of their name. That it was nice that they actually gave Will Zalatoris his time that he earned. Yeah, no, it, but he'll quickly. I think he'll quickly become like the the new guy. Like, like I think you said it earlier that uh, he looks like the caddy from Happy Gilmore, and he like went viral for it for that over the last week, and. Now people just kind of love him for no reason other than he's 106 pounds and hits the ball 300 yards. Oh, and he's he looks a, like Caddy from Happy Gilmore. He's a he's a stick pin, and he gets <laughs> after it. And like apparently, I think so, something I'm I'm not sure if you heard it, but Tony Romo's I guess from the same hometown as him. And when Will Zaltoris was playing at the um, the Pebble Beach Pro End. It was like his first tournament as a pro, or he might have still been an amateur after he like he might have won the USA. He made kind of second, like somewhere up there. He's like a pretty like top tier guy. He played on a couple of Walker Cup teams. Um, the Tony Grom was like this guy. I want to play with him. Called somebody on the tour and got to play with Zal Torres in the tournament. Zal Torres got a top ten in his first like ever tour event. And Romo then like got on the broadcast and was like, "This guy's going to win." So. I think it's just an interesting friendship because obviously Tony Romo loves golf and has actually played like a tour events himself, but uh, just very interesting. Huge fan of the tourists. I heard about that that he was saying like he thinks that that he's gonna win like he's gonna be like the top golfer in the world. In a yeah, years. yeah, because he said it and he said apparently like when he said it when they played together, Zal Torres might have even been ranked over like two thousand in the world. Like was struggling to to make it and now he's known as even to said it that when he played with him he was surprised of how good his ball striking was that the kid's different and um i think for him i think he's i think he's in the um he's in the field this week um i think for him just obviously it's easy to say and it's like one of the biggest things in golf but it's gonna come down to the putter for him like because his ball striking is not the issue i mean Zach, I think you and I both agree that he was uh, four three putts away from winning the Masters. He, he needed what? He needed two of those three putts to just be two putts, and he wins the Masters, right? Yeah, he shot and he shot two under par, and it felt like he shot four over because, right. of, because of those three putts. Yeah, that he, yeah. It, I think that was one of the most underrated things of the day that was talked about was because obviously it's awesome for Hideki and the country of Japan and for the game and to grow it and for him. And it's awesome being like, the, he's been playing there for like 10 years, one in the Asia Pacific am. And uh, I don't know if you saw last thing about Hideki that if you saw what his caddy did after he won, when he bowed, 
Yeah, that was so cool that he took the yeah. flag off and just paid respects to the course. Like, I think that will go, in my opinion, that will go down as one of my favorite videos I've ever seen at the Masters. That the caddy was just because in Japan the, they they have they have very different values and they're like I think Hideki's very highly respected on tour and this was the first win that this caddy had on Hideki's bag and I'm sure the Masters means so much and for the country he's from Japan as well that. That was just like an unbelievable gesture to see. That it was really cool, and, and like the fact that it's not like he's out there and like he knows the cameras are on him, right? He's just he genuinely was just like, yeah, had so much respect for the course in that moment. Yeah. It meant yeah. so much to him that he felt the need to bow. Like that was it was pretty sweet. There was, was no <laughs> doubt that that actually kind of made the Matsuyama win kind of worth it. Exactly, and also I know I just did the last last thing I have to say about Hideki, and now I'm about to say something else, <laughs> but. Um, I'm pretty sure that his interpreter is his agent and his rep around everything that he does in the States and on the, on the PGA Tour and all, and all the above and all his endorsements. But it's very clear that he doesn't need the interpreter. If you watched his interview in Butler Cabin with Jim Nance, Jim Nance would ask him a question and Hideki would just look at his interpreter. His interpreter would say no words and Hideki would just answer in Japanese. Right. I think he yeah, he definitely understands English, yeah, that, but he probably doesn't that, speak it that well. It probably doesn't sound all that good coming out of his mouth. So he probably is like, Let me just uh I think maintain my reputation by like he you know what I mean. It, it can be I think that. it's either that. I think it's either that or I mean I have I have no background to say what I'm about to say, but again I've mentioned the Japanese culture that I believe that he wants his people to hear his words and that it's, an, it's like a sign of respect to them that oh. he speaks in Japanese and that he can speak English, but he has the interpreter there for maybe he doesn't understand some things. But they did make it very well known, and guys have even said that they were happy for him. And there are some, you know, other Asian guys. And I guess like Kevin Na dropped his family off at the Augusta Airport and then drove back to the course to congratulate him on eighteen, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, no, that's but a yeah, point. I, just, I, I, I just, just, I just thought that was interesting. That I, I think that he speaks pretty good English, but the interpreter pretty much had. <laughs> almost no value. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that though. That that is pretty cool that he's like the people who were up at, in Japan at like whatever it was, six or I seven. Mean, he's he's a hero. He's a hero for the country and I wouldn't be surprised if he carries the torch in for the Olympics because aren't they in Japan? Yeah, oh yeah. That's what I think yeah. Didn't uh Nick Faldo say that during the broadcast? I'm pretty sure he They might have. So yeah, shout out Nick Faldo. Sir Nick Faldo. Sir Nick Faldo. Uh, but Sir. Like, uh, I'm with you on the uh, on him. I, ne- I didn't even think about the fact that he'd be speaking in Japanese, so everyone could understand what he's saying. That's pretty. Well, cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, you think about it, like even in for guys like baseball or guys like hockey. You know, not to go all, like on a different tangent, but after being in a country for ten years, you have to learn some sort of the language. Like you're around it enough. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think we got uh we got the RBC Heritage this week. Shout well, out your 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 real, friend. Real quick, I, I want I want a little. I want one take from you as a as our golf guy. You yeah. know Xander Shoffley had to say about his tee shot on the 16th hole, which was really kind of the the shot that shaped the whole entire tournament, right? Like the momentum felt like it was shifting that he, back that towards he, that he that he caught the win there. Yeah, that he just kind of he didn't have the right club because he he underestimated the wind. Did you? Uh, I've never seen anyone miss that short on that pin position. 
Can you hear me? Oh, I could hear you. Got nothing. I can. Can you hear me? I can hear All right, you. Awesome. We'll just we'll just fast forward to that part. Um, yeah. I think that's a very interesting question. Obviously, that pin placement provides some of the most excitement in all of golf because you can throw it in a range of almost 40 feet to the right of the pin. And depending on the roll in the club, it will it will circle down right into that bowl. Um, so it right. provides for a lot of interesting opportunities with the tournament on the line. When I mean, it's easy to say it now, but if when you're standing on the tee as someone who's played tournament golf, you can legitimately miss it anywhere but short. So right. even if you're trying to hit a fantastic shot into that hole, if you're up on the right a little bit and let's say you don't get the roll that brings you all the way down, if you're at Augusta, you've watched enough film and even though there's no yardage books, you've hit that putt yourself that you've got a pretty good idea that if you have the feel of the greens and the speed, you can make par. But I mean, there's any anywhere but the water. Yeah. So yeah. it's so it's tough to say because Xander I think is a is an interesting cat where he when he swings the club, he looks like JT where it looks effortless and it looks like they're always choking up a little bit to take easier swings that they're not swinging out of their shoes, like a Bryson DeChambeau that they're the type of guys who club down and try and control the spin that that might've been it, that he just went after an easy eight when he probably needed the full eight. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, that would have made the tournament so much more exciting if he could just make a par there. Right, right. Well, the scores worked out that he he wound up losing by three strokes. I mean, who knows how Hideki plays that sand shot on eighteen if he if he makes par there and is only one stroke back. But I don't know. I, I that was kind of that was such a disappointing moment after like the excitement that built built off of fifteen. It was like Shoffley puts in the water and just kind of takes all the the air out of your. Yeah, I mean, obviously we 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 can't complain about anything, but. I would say that it felt like Hideki because of the way the round finished the last four holes for everyone climbing up the leaderboard. It felt like he won by four strokes and he actually only won by one and bogeyed 18. Right. So, but it, but when, when you think back on it, you'll be like, Oh, Hideki won that masters, but he almost didn't. He shot what, like even par, like one over. Yeah. Like, so, so it was definitely there for the taking. But, um, yeah, that was tough to see Xander because I like the X-Man. I think that he's going to win a green jacket. He's played well there now several times. He played well there in November. He might have, like, a T- T2 in 2019 with Brooks when Tiger won. I think he finished one shot back. I think he played well there in November. So um, if we continue to do this podcast, I think next year Xander's got to be an outright favorite just just because his game matches up there well. Completely agree. I love it. I, I love him as well, and I, I hope he comes back and wins well. I'm glad he's not, like, too down on himself after after that club selection and that shot. He seemed like he was in pretty decent spirits and uh, not harping on it. So I mean, and, and I mean, I played at so much lower of a level, but when these guys are pulling clubs out of their bag, you see them, but they'll back off sometimes that 
they have a, just like in any other sport, they have a very focus that when they swing that club, you hope that they're going into it with a hundred percent confidence of what they're trying to do. And it didn't seem like Xander said that he made a bad swing. It just seemed that he said that he felt like he made a good swing and just the win was however much, you know, more into his face than, than when he thought he took the club back. That's what it appeared to be. That he was happy with the swing. His exact words were, I, I flushed it, right? Okay, yeah, so I didn't hear that. All right, so that makes sense then. Yeah. yeah. He, he okay. said, I flushed it, and he kind of smiled, and he was just like, he was like, I, I, uh, what we were feeling for wind on the tee box was not as much as it was actually up there. And uh, it, it was heartbreaking to see the ball go in the water, but they didn't really have any regrets about the club selection or the swing or anything. So, yeah, I just, I just, I, I don't want to have to say this, but I have the thought in my head that he's 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 obviously a lot younger than Tony Fino, but he's getting this like top five vibe to him where he or like well like Ricky Fowler that one year when he was just getting top fives and had like one win but could never break through. I want to see Xander break through and put together like a three win season because it's something that you could easily see him doing. He's always there. It's just he's just never at the top. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he'll be a staple for American golf for the next, you know, four Ryder Cups and five Presidents Cups. Uh, Maybe we'll even make the U.S. Olympic team this year. I'm not sure what those standings are, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. I think we're going to roll into the the RBC. RBC Pete Dye course. Shout out your boys, Wally, whose uncle is an assistant pro there. Your boys have gotten hammered at the tournament. We'll have to take him up on an offer to go down with them, like when COVID's uh, maybe next year or something. Shout out to Wally. Shout out Big Dog, my guy. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, it's like uh, it's 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 a course that I would say is a, a little different than some um, from everything that I know about the course. Um, I've actually never played – Harbor Town, but uh, played on. I'm pretty sure it's Bermuda grass, but on some little bit different. It's a course that I believe there's more like force layups, so having insane distance doesn't really help you. So, I think for me personally, I'm looking for guys who are good wedge and good wedge and uh, and in putter and players. What are you thinking? I, I agree. I, and I actually like did a quick peek back, I didn't dive as deep into. Uh, the stats I did for the Masters, but I was just looking at like the 2019 ranked uh, uh, leaderboard and the 2020 leaderboard, and it was like, like two years ago, like, CT Pan won it, and he was like not great in any strokes gained uh, category other than strokes gained around the green, which kind of tells you to, that his wedges were on that year, right? So that kind of aligns. And like Matt Kuchar was another guy who his strokes gained uh, around the green were really great that year, and I think he finished second. So that kind of lines up that the the wedge game would would be the area of focus for us. I mean, I'll I'll get to it later, but I am going to be sprinkling the CT Pan Man in a lot of moments. <laughs> the CT Pan Man. He he shot seventy nine seventy one at Augusta, and shooting under par at Augusta in you know in these conditions is hard enough as is with all of the pressure and all of the above. But regardless, I think that his like ball striking was positive, but his strokes gained everything in every other category is dog shit. Mm-hmm. So we'll get down him on the list, but at seventy one hundred, the pan man must play. Love love to hear a must play this early. I absolutely love it. 
Um, so if I'm looking at guys, let's just hit it from. I mean, DJ's the only guy over eleven thousand. Like, I think if you're if we're just we're talking DraftKings lineups, it's almost impossible to play like DJ. Like the lineups you have to build around him, unless you absolutely think he's going to win, which I don't have in 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 my sights. What do you think? So if I was building like the, the optimal value lineup, I agree that like Dustin Johnson wouldn't wouldn't crack my top twenty in terms of value because you literally need him to win at this price. But yeah, if you're looking at like the he has won this tournament before though, has he? Uh, I wouldn't know that. I'm pretty sure he's sponsored by RB, and by I'm pretty sure I'm positive he's sponsored by RB. <laughs> well, I mean, there you go. So, so he is. I mean, you have to think he has a good shot to win it. I'm sure he's the the favorite in Vegas. Um, and when you look at like the big contests, like like what's the uh... played at Coastal Carolina, right? So, but you and you look at like the the fifteen dollar big DraftKings tournament, right? That's two hundred k to first. Like if you yeah. if only five or ten percent of people are gonna play him because he's so expensive and they and he they don't like the way he played at Augusta, then he makes so much sense that you, like if he wins the tournament, you're only trying to beat a group of the top ten percent, right? Compared, yeah, that's a good point. I just don't see him. I don't. I think Dustin's on a hangover trip, and he's a top. I mean, anytime he's at a tournament, I think anybody who shows up. Even as a fan, a caddy, a player, someone working a tournament, you know, you look at the T sheet and go, Dustin's playing. Like so, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm fading him this week. Maybe I'd take him somewhere, but I think there's a lot you can get a lot better value. Yeah, I definitely agree from a value standpoint. He's, he's like I love, I I love, and I know that I'm a huge fucking uh, bandwagon fan of his, but I've been forever. I'm a huge Webb Simpson guy, and I got nothing to back it up because his swing is like silly sometimes you're like when his follow-through it's like did he hit it good like did he not hit it good then all of a sudden it's an inch from the hole and i love when like his putter gets hot he's a guy that like can't miss and he's like a perennial american that i think he's got a good chance of winning might have won there before he also might be sponsored by rbc i have no fucking idea but (laughs) i knew you liked him and i i uh Webb's one of those guys who I know he's so good, and you're right that he, when he's locked in, he's just unbelievable. But I, he's just a great wedge player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he won this last year, right? I think so. Yeah, pretty sure he won this. They played it in June last year, and he yeah. won. It. So he's definitely he has to be on your. Uh, on your I know you here. love your boy at ten two though. Well, so so I was gonna real quick, uh, kind of along the same lines as DJ from a from like a big huge tournament standpoint for on DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever. I mean Patrick Cantley being the second most expensive guy after dialing up a nine over par in his first two rounds. Ridiculous. You you, you kinda have to like him, right? You gotta think that was kind of more of an Augusta thing than like he, it's not like he just now sucks at golf. He's still gonna be I know really good and no one's gonna click his name because everyone That's actually a very good thing because I looked at his name and instantly thought he won seventy four uh, he's won. He won seventy nine, seventy three, right. and I and I was like high on him to win the Masters. Right. I thought he had, but he's he's like a guy that, in is an insane wedge player. That maybe you're right. There's probably a lot of value there, even though he is expensive. Everyone's going to look at him because the last we can go, nah. Yeah, I mean, if you can get Cantley at like 
single digit percent ownership. Maybe he's maybe he's like a round one type of play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point. He's definitely not like if you're trying to just be one on one with me or you're trying to do like the 50-50 games on DraftKings. He's not your top value play just like DJ. But I think yeah. if you're like if you're doing the big the big uh 150 entry max tournaments, these two top guys both like kind of stand out as like Start build your lineups around them, and then hope people didn't play them, and hope one of those two wins the tournament. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point because, to be honest, I wasn't considered playing it either of them. Right, I thought, and I'm also a huge fan of Daniel. I'll have another cheeseburger. The double double, I love him. I love him every week. So it's like a weird thing that I want him to be priced at nine thousand but he's always at the top tier and it feels like sometimes it's, he doesn't like you, you, you well, I think that when you take guys and correct me if I'm wrong, when you take anyone who's over 10,000, that's you pretty much saying that that's your guy who's going to get a top five that week. Exactly. Yeah. It, like if you're not, if you don't see his shots on the broadcast on Sunday, like you, you wouldn't be playing this, this guy at, at 10. Very upset. Yes. Yeah. Like you got to see Daniel Berger's face on Sunday on the broadcast if you're going to play him at 10K. Yes. And um, just another guy who's also in the strange at 10-5. Morikawa is just a great ball striker. And he's a guy that I think, who, even though he didn't play great at Augusta, isn't someone who's has let's say, like, the pompousness of, like, oh, this is the RBC heritage. I think that he's, like, at a point in his career that he's trying to go win every tournament that I don't think a lot of people will maybe play him this week. I have no idea. but Yeah. So, uh, I was going to say, he – I just don't know if he's a great Pete Dye course player. Yeah. And that's where you, you know uh, golf a lot better than I do. And, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily know all that. But I, I always look at uh, strokes gain T to green, whether it's – off the tee or, or whatever, but uh, um, Morikawa is, is number one in this tournament year to date in strokes gain tee to green. Um, it's him, and then uh, D or Will Zalatoris is second, and then DJ's third. So, I mean, Morikawa, I feel like has to be on your radar. Okay, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. so I love that even more. Yeah, yeah. God, he was, and he, but he, he's a guy. He's just a he's he's a and the tour knows it, as in like the other players, and they, I mean, they jerk him off on the podcast every week. He's one of the best iron players on tour. It's like, all right, we've heard it <laughs> enough, but like, he really is. Yeah. So I like hearing those stats about that, about him. Yep. Yep. I uh, love him. And I guess just because we're in the 10K range, we kind of have to hit on everybody. You were calling me out for it. Cam Hugh Dick Smith. Huge dick. <laughs> Ten two. I, I don't know if it, there's there's not many stats that are telling you to play this guy, but he seems there's like no stats telling you to play him other than feel. <laughs> That's like you pick up you pick up you pick up the uh, the dice on the craps table and you know you're throwing a yo eleven. <laughs> Double down on the Cam Smith yo eleven. I love it. They kind of have to on a week by week basis. It it just because we're both. I know your dad's like a huge Cam Smith love guy, it. and and 
he played so good in that President's Cup, and he's another guy. I know I sound like an idiot when I keep saying this, but his putter gets so hot that he can't miss, and he's he's a guy that's not scared to shoot nine under par. Like some guys get to four or five under, and they panic and they go, "I'll throw in a bogey, and then I might make a birdie, and then I'll like limp my way in with a couple pars." Cam Smith is a guy who he'll birdie like fourteen through eighteen. Yeah, yeah. I- I uh I absolutely love him. Unfortunately, it's like it sucks to to say it, but out of these top seven guys this week, being DJ Webb Simpson, uh, Cantley, Morikawa, Cam Smith, Berger, and Zalatoris, I like them all so much that I'll play a little bit of each of them. I know. Usually, I can narrow it down a little bit, and this week I don't think I can. Like I'm gonna have a line for each of them in it. I know because Zalatoris at nine seven, like he has to be. He said apparently he didn't turn his phone on once during the Masters, yeah. so they made a joke to him at the end, like, "Oh, you're going to have a bunch of messages." He's the type of guy that I don't think cares about like any of like the media intention. He's just like a laid back Luke type of guy that he could easily win this week. So, I mean, any, I, like you said, any of those guys, I don't particularly, although I think Tyrell Hatton, like, might have won here before, and I know he's such a good player, but just below Zal Torres and Corey Connors, but I just always feel, I just don't play them. I don't know why. I can't play them. And I'm, and I know you all don't like Paul Casey just below him, but he's a guy who I play a lot of. Yeah, I, I mean, so – what you said about Zal Torres, I completely agree with. And I mean, even just ignore. He's made 29 of his last 30 right, cuts. Right. With 16 top 10s. Are you kidding right, me? Right. And even ignore the, uh, even ignore. He might, he, I don't even know if he has his tour card somehow. <laughs> I'm not sure he does either. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have his PGA tour card. And he's the best player on right, tour right. as of the last 30. Right. I, but, I, Really, in this tournament, he is number two in strokes gained tee to green. It's Morikawa, him. and he looks like he looks like if he was standing on sixteen tee when the wind gusted for Xander, that if Zalatoris was on the tee, he might have blown over. <laughs> exactly, but he still does it. I I don't know. I'm gonna have a tough time uh, making any lineup. And has has incredible has incredible movement through the golf yep. ball. It's it's awesome to watch, um, and like you said, Hatton, Connors, like Connors, I, I was all over him last week. It's at six point nine. He was, he was. You gotta just love getting a notification that the Flyers got absolutely spanked and ganked six one by the Capitals. <laughs> yeah, I mean Flyers are not having a so, good run here. They're giving the Sabers no, two of their four yeah. wins. <laughs> All right, sorry, Corey Connors. You were all over. I, w- I was on him just because he was. I mean, he showed up, ball striking, past performance at Augusta. He made sense at, at six point nine, but like he and he gave his value. Right, right. But if I see his price jump up to, yeah, I'm pretty sure the the, the best lineup last week for DraftKings had Corey Connors in. Had so. it. Had to. Have. That yeah, makes sense. So he, he was a good play last week, but now when you see his price jump six point nine and nine point three, that's like. Everyone's fade Yeah, everyone's gonna be on him because they saw him play well at Augusta. Like, he had the hole in one on the sixth hole. Like people know his name now. Every time someone says his name, they go Corey Connors, the Canadian. No matter what. Yeah. Why do they do that? Why do well, they? Do it's that? only him. They tell. They say the Canadian after his name every time. Okay. He is also sponsored by RBC. <laughs> is he really? 
Yeah, it's the Royal Bank of Canada. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. I thought he was sponsored by yeah, Tim he's, Hortons. He probably is. The fucking donuts. He's double <laughs> dipping in his coffee every morning. <laughs> I get that. Fucking, the guy's good, though. Like, he, like, all of a sudden, he popped up on tour. He won the Houston Open or something. And then I had never heard about him. But ever since he won, he's he's always, like, around. Yeah. No, he's, he's really very good. And I think, and I, I can't go into any detail, but I do think there's a cool story of his background and, like, how he made the tour Something like this wife beat cancer. Like, there's something really cool about him that I'm a fan yeah. of. Him. Oh, well, I mean, I I like him already, so that, that's interesting to to know. But yeah, he, he shows up ball striking wise. But at nine point three, like like you said earlier, if I see a nine point three, I want a pretty confident top five or a chance to win it. And I I don't think uh, I'll be playing Connors this week. I don't think I'll be playing Casey or Fitzpatrick, the Englishman. Neither of them really interests me. How about you? Yeah, the three Englishmen right there, including Hatton, on top of them. I'm as I might if if I'm playing anyone in that group, I'm probably going to play Casey. I would say just because I can't help but but click his name. But um, but I kind of do like Young Jeezy at nine thousand. <laughs> he didn't he didn't play last week, right? So like, and he's a guy who literally like loses sleep if he put he plays every week 16 of of 18 cuts in his last tournaments uh, or i shouldn't say he did play last week he played terrible <laughs> yeah, he shot, shot 11 over day one holy <laughs> shit he stoinked it almost in dead last <laughs> but he played well at the honda he played well at the players and he played well at the arnie palmy and everything before that so i mean this guy finishes top 15 all the time that if I mean you're, it, it, it's hard to not take double A batteries right below him at eighty nine hundred. And th- that that guy right there is the reason I am having trouble landing on him. Fitzpatrick, Casey, Connors, Hatton. Like I want to play Zalatoris at nine seven, and then I want to play Answer at eight nine, and that makes me rule out that stretch of guys right there. The the three. It, yeah. All of a sudden, it cashes out. Right. You, right. You just can't. You got to pick guys in right by range, and and it's honest Abe for me in that range. And I I'm like a huge Tommy Lettuce guy, but he's just not been playing well recently. So even though he makes cuts, I don't think you can play him at 8800 until until he starts winning or getting top tens. I'm unfortunately not going to play one of a guy who I root for. I, I uh I agree. I we we were saying last week how he looks at the ball like he starts tilting his head and looking all worried after he hits it in the air, and then yeah. day one has the hole in one on on sixteen where he did exactly that, and then he like didn't even really celebrate. Literally, he acted like it was like that he that he just made himself a PB and J for lunch. <laughs> like it was like you just you just had a two hundred and like twenty five yard part like four iron that you just had a hole in one of the Augusta and you walked off the tee and just like gave your caddy a head nod like so right it, unbelievable unbelievable you mind if I go back kind to what I said real quick uh no you can do whatever you want that's the beauty of living in America <laughs> that is the beauty uh I'm gonna go back and uh say that I think I'm with you on Paul Casey I think he like I'd be surprised if he doesn't finish top five this week He's just a really good wedge player, and and 
I'm pretty sure he like lives stateside now for a majority of the years. Like now, like fully committed to PGA Tour. That, um, I think he's played there a couple times. He's he's just a he he's just a guy who who I like. I think if you're playing guys in that price, you're you're either between Paul Casey or Abraham Manson. I agree. I like that. I like that thought. I, I uh, and I also started looking a little bit, and you can. It's pretty reasonable with how much value I think there is in the six K range that you can get. Like, I think that yeah, we'll 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 get to that in a minute. I think there is a lot of guys from seventy five hundred and under that compared to other tournaments, we we can get some action. Right. There. Well, that that's what I was kind of saying. You you can actually afford Paul Casey better than I expected. Like a lot of tournaments, because you can't do that, but I think you can. It, yeah. it, it, in the in the eight K range in general, I mean, I think Brian Harmon's playing really well that I don't hate him and think he has a chance to win this tournament because it's this tournament doesn't favor length. He's a wedge guy. Like, it really dials that in. And I think Harris English has kind of been playing well lately, but there was a time where he was, like, in the 9K ranges and he's faded back. But um, in the 8K range, I think maybe the only guy that I might play is Harmon. I don't know. Where are you at? I, I can't. I can't quit Harmon. I agree. Like he, he just keeps doing it. So as, as long as he keeps doing this, uh, I think I have to have some interest in him. But my number one in the AK range, I mean, you know who it is. It's the same as last week. I'm not going to jump off the uh, off the wagon now, even though he didn't play that well last week. Sergio, you love him. I know he's you do. The ball striking. He, I know he will make putts at some point, and he will drive himself into a top five. It definitely scares me, though, that he's putting with his eyes closed, Matt. I mean, I've gone through stretches where I've gone from normal grips to left-hand low to the claw to a belly putter to the broomstick <laughs> from the chest. I mean, I've done it all. Lefty putters. I've had every putter under the sun, okay? Uh, when you're when you're playing for millions of dollars and you're putting with your eyes closed, that makes me very nervous. And I and, – and, and again – Somehow he's backing it up. He's on leaderboards, but and I know that like Spieth did it when he was going through his struggles that he was staring at the hole on putts inside five feet. I mean, putting for any golfer, obviously, as you know, as you've come to love the game even more, is a fucking mental head case. Which is on a side note, sometimes I like saying to you, I feel like I'm gonna putt really fucking well today, and then if I just say that to you because are we a such a positive vibe? on the golf course that even though if I miss putts, if I can just tell myself I'm putting well, it's incredible. And there's some guys on tour that are able to do that. And um, I think Casey's in that group. And I think somehow fucking Sergio is in there and I just can't trust him now, but I understand why you play him. Cause he's an incredible. Yeah. Striker. One of the best. Of all yeah. Time. It's just in his swing, his swing. Like if you, if you think about it, a lot of guys hit the ball farther than him and have like all different types. And a lot of guys have all different types of swings. And it almost is it that like he's an idol to John Rom that John Rom's tried to almost mirror his swing. It's just a little shorter. But when Sergio drops that club, it's, I think it's just a thing of beauty. He is one of the prettiest golf swings I think I've ever seen. I've been it just, just makes it look so easy. So, yeah. Yeah, like the like the lag that that and and it's just very apparent on his swings compared to other players. Like other players bomb it past him, but 
but he, he the way that he drops it in looks like such ease, and it's so, even when he fucking rips it left, like it looks yeah. easy. Like when he gives it, yo, daddy. <laughs> oh man, I <laughs> you nailed it. I mean, you you get the golf side of it more than I do, but I, even statistically, I when I ran a little quick model this week, he was number four overall value, even at the eight point six price tag. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So, are you playing anyone else in the eight range? Eight K range. The only guy, other guy, I might flirt with. Uh, obviously, I already mentioned the answer, but uh, Shane Lowry might be a little sleeper at eight point five. Played pretty decent this past week, and you know he can get hot. I mean, he won the what, what did he win the the British Open uh, years ago? At his at his childhood golf course, one of the coolest stories in golf history. Forever. Right. So, so sort of a cheat code there that he that he won it at home, but. Uh, you know he's a good yeah. player, and he he shows up actually a little bit in some of this some of these uh, stats we're talking about. With no, he's and he's a notoriously good ball striker. He's the kind of guy that just floats under the radar. You never hear his name ever, and no one ever picks Shane Lowry to win golf tournaments. But he's always priced in this range, and he makes a lot of cuts. And he's like, if there's you know a handful of guys that. If you scroll through a DraftKings or a FanDuel and just picked guys based off of their pictures that you'd want to have a beer with, I mean Shane Lowry's easily he's top one A. I don't know if there's anybody unless Harry yeah. Higgs is playing in the tournament. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to be one A. Like, well, like when I'm thinking about it, like I want to just like I just want him to say, "Yeah, two points over <laughs> here, two points, Mike." I don't know if that was a Brooklyn accent, a Boston accent, or an Irish accent. I'm not sure what that was. That was good. It, was, it was definitely wasn't my normal voice, but it was an attempt at some sort of – I think I tried to go for Irish there, but botched the fuck out of it. Love but, it. Uh, Love it. Anyway, if we're – so let's, let's shake down to – let's shake down to the sevens yep. quickly. I mean, shaking that ass, I feel like I might have to play him. I feel like he might win. I agree. He's been locked in. I mean – Shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass, Kim. He's dude. He's got like all the positive, like Asian, like golf vibes. Like Asians are hot right now on the tour. There's no doubt. I and I and he's and he's and he low key has a handful of of wins. I mean, and he's one of the players, so he can win anywhere. He's fantastic. And I think that TPC Sawgrass is a Pete Dye course. I'm not positive on that, but I'm pretty. I think sure. it is. I'm, uh, actually, I'm, I think I heard that this past player. So I think you're 100 percent right. Okay. Um, yeah. So so and he so he can get yeah. it done there. No, there, I there's there's no doubt he's got to be on your radar, especially like this week. I mean, he he played. What did he shoot? Uh, he shoot four under. They broke his putter, and had to putt with his. He was he was, he was putting with his three wood. And he was getting upset that he was missing putts. Right. Because like, well, he missed. It was like, it was like it was six. Because a lot of guys would normally go to their right. wedge. And he just gave no fucks. It was like, I'm taking the yeah. three wood out. Yeah. And was, and was like, and was hitting like 30 footers, like three inches from the cup. And was pissed he wasn't draining them. I love that. He also jammed his putter into the ground pretty hard. Like, he earned that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a. Uh... It was definitely lost his temper a little bit. <laughs> Just uh, thought he was pounding it down flat and did not succeed. The, the, the weird thing that I will say is that 
and I have because the rules of golf have changed a little bit from when I was playing competitive golf. I haven't really played competitive golf in about four years, but I do remember when I was playing specifically when I was playing a college tournament, my driver broke and I had a spare driver in the van that the golf team brought to the tournament and my coach was able to go grab that driver and then replace it and I was able to use it the rest of the tournament. So I'm not sure why maybe or like it doesn't happen often that players break clubs, especially their putter, that I don't know if that's not a rule anymore. I don't know if he didn't maybe have like a spare putter in his locker that it wasn't able to count that he couldn't just go to the titleist truck, but that's a, like a one-off subject, but I do think that's very interesting because I'm pretty sure if you have an extra club, you can replace it. It just happens to be so rare that pros break their clubs, and even when they do, they're so good that they can get around it in other ways. But obviously, uh, the two, the, the most important club, I would say, is your putter because these guys hit it far enough with their three woods that if they broke their driver, they could still smack it yeah. around. Yeah, you think it's uh, you think it's like intention maybe? That what? Oh, uh, I'm looking up the rule right now. Um, it it needs to be it says a player is not allowed to replace a damaged club except when it is damaged during the round by an outside influence or natural forces or by someone other than the player or his cat. Okay, that make, okay. So that makes sense. So I took a normal. I I remember the tournament. It was at we were playing Colgate's tournament. It was on like the like the sixth hole. I, I took a driver swing and one of the bolts came right. loose. So it, it was, I didn't slam my club or anything. It just happened. I, I asked the, you know, the normal thing you do is you have normally two playing partners. They said that, you know, that it wasn't intentional. So that's, so that's exactly. So that, that makes sense. Is that because he right. slammed it? That right. You if you were your caddy it. breaks it, you can't, you can't replace it. But yeah. Uh... All right, that makes sense. That rule makes sense. And I think that's how it should be. Like a natural, like, so so if, like, randomly your putter head falls off because the glue, like, you know, becomes too warm, that makes sense that you would be able to replace it. But you smash your club, Definitely that's on you. you. Um, who else are you playing in 7,000 so, range? I'll start with just a, just a quick top five when it comes to value in the seven 7K range for what I had when I was running the numbers. I'm on – Matty Wallace is my top overall play. His uh, his team has been off the charts, and he's seventy five hundred. He actually played pretty well this past week and sort of flew under the radar. Like made the cut and stayed pretty close to even par all weekend. Uh, and he just just finished. Did he want to finishing second in the the tournament that Spieth won? Third. So Third. he he was just there, and I think he's still in pretty good form. Um, you're going to notice the trend that these are all good ball strikers, but Chris Kirk at 7,500 is another one. HV3, Harold, the Varnyard dog, is somebody I always kind of like to play. He actually shows up pretty high at 7K. And then Chucky, turn your head, and Hoffman is 7,800. 7, <laughs> Mr. Waste <laughs> Management himself. Yep. <laughs> yep. He's... He, he looks like he puts back a pound of ribs <laughs> every night with a cup of Miller Lights, and it's just a fantastic <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And he's 7,800, and he was another guy that played really well in that uh, that tournament. Um, what was the last tournament? I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Valero. The Valero yeah. Texas Open. He played really well there. He finished, uh, the he finished second, right? So yeah. uh, I think uh, if you, if you kind of just – 
blinded yourself to what happened last week at Augusta. Like he, he didn't play. Um, I think people have, have really short memories and they aren't going to remember that, that Wallace and Hoffman both played so well two weeks ago. Uh, the last guy there is Aaron Wise. He, I don't know too much about him. I don't ever know what to do Last year, he's 7,300. He's probably a little underpriced, and he's another good ball striker. But I, I can't say yeah. anything about his wedges or anything like that. I, I don't know enough about the kid to to really. Sometimes he, like, I think he went to Oregon, but his putter gets hot. I mean, he is a he is a pretty solid ball striker. I mean, I think Seabass Money Munoz is, like, always, like, interesting. And the stripper at 7,400 is just, like, feels like we always have to play them in if we're not playing our favorites and we're going off value i think that you're right i think it's i think it's charlie hoffman i think it's maddie wallace i think sam burns is fade nation until he can dial up a top 25 again kevin strizzles sometimes i like playing him but i don't think i'm going to this week and this is a random pick, and I don't want to be the guy to like mention his name, but I think he has good value and plays well at Pete Dye courses. Is Michael oh, Thompson? I was hoping you wouldn't say him. When he, I know I don't want to have to say it, but the words just <laughs> came out of my mouth, and I gotta live with that. That's on me. I have to live with that. But I think, and I think the glove. That's I'm a big glove guy. I think it's well known. At seventy one is also. Um, Worth noting. I would say my last point, and then I'll throw it over to you, is um, I know sometimes you like Mac Hughes. I think he might be an RBC sponsor guy as well. So worth noting. I'm going to look up the RBC sponsor guys, but they, I think that they might be the company that sponsors like the most amount of guys. Like it's literally their entire company's at, uh, marketing ploy That's is great. the PGA. That is, I mean, Hey, it's worth something. We'll have to see how those guys did. We'll look at uh, how all the RBC guys do at the end of the week. We'll have to dial up a little tracking system to see who's RBC sponsored. Okay. Who's sponsored by, yep. are you ready? By RBC. Jim Furyk, Dustin Johnson, Matt Kuchar, Graham McDowell, Ryan Palmer, Webb Simpson, Brand Snedeker, and Morgan Presley. Holy shit. There's so many. Their, that's their international team. Their Canadian team is Adam Hadwin, Corey Connors, Graham Dillette, David Hearn, Ben Silverman, Roger Sloan, and Nick Taylor. And for the women, it's Brooke Henderson, who's like 24. She's a beast. She might have won like two majors by now in terms of the women's tour. Shout out to the women's tour. Uh, Jacqueline Lee, Brittany Marchand, and Antangway. So they're obviously, they've sponsored like, what what is that, 25 yeah. people? 20 people? Yeah, it's not it's nuts. We'll have to see how they do. We'll, we'll keep those names in mind. Is Ryan Palmer playing? Did he's we not breeze over week, his name? All right, I was going to say because he's sponsored by yeah. them. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't. He must have. He must have done it for personal. Brand Snedeker at sixty eight hundred, even though he's sponsored by them, he played well at Valero, but he kind of scares me too. I don't know. Just his. His putting strokes. It's, the it's shit terrifying. Out of me. Real quick, and while we're in the, as we close out the seven thousands, you know I'm a Money Munoz guy. Always, you know I'm a Cam Stripper Davis guy. Always, you know he was getting after it in Augusta. No like, doubt. 
Oh man, he probably probably cleaned up. He didn't even he he didn't even play at the Masters, but you know he was there getting active. <laughs> there is not a doubt in my mind. Uh, like you said, uh, Siwoo's got to be on your on your radar, and I'm huge on the glove this week. The glove, he he acts like like a stock where he's up 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 down 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 he kind of disappears and he gets in really good form then he gets in really shitty form and right now i think he's like he just played pretty well another guy who played really well at at uh the texas open right played very well to valero i i have no memory if i said this on the first podcast we did but Lucas Glover in his junior and senior years at the University of Clemson didn't make a single double bogey in a competitive golf tournament, which I think is one of the most ridiculous so stats absurd. of all time. Um, he has won a major, even though it was a while ago. He won a U.S. Open, and he's another guy who has an interesting putting stroke, kind of like Brand Snedeker, where you look at the TV and you say, do I actually want to watch this? Because I don't want to do that in my putting stroke at all, but he can get it going. So I like, I like the glove this week. I always like the glove. He's, he's no a doubt. Value seven one. That's, that seems too low. Like if, if you, if you, uh, if this yeah. tournament took place right after you watched him, uh, play in the Texas open, you're, uh, you're probably playing him even if he's nine K. So, this is value. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Six thousands. What do you got? You said you were you were liking so, a couple guys in the we'll start at the top portion of it, and it's my, my second and third overall value plays. You're gonna love one of them. I'll give you the one give that you won't me. like as much first. It's Maddie Neesmith. I don't know. How- I don't I don't hate that. I he's just He's he seems like the guy who just get like I don't know I don't know what to think of him so I don't want to give any opinion. Uh, okay, so I, don't hate I like when you don't hate it. He, he, he's a yep. great ball striker. Yep. I know that. I don't know about him otherwise. So I'll hold, I'll hold back my comments. I'm listening. You're going to love the second one, and that is Gim Nance. Gimster. <laughs> oh. The Gimster. <laughs> the Gimmer. The Gimster, Gimme Nance. I love that. I love everything about him. I know, I know just as much as I need to know about him, which is that he went to Cal Berkeley, and that's as about as much as I know about him. And if I never learn anything else, I'll still be his biggest fan. <laughs> exactly. I just love. Him. I just I mean, love. Him. What was it? Was it four or five weeks ago that he was like leading on a Sunday and? Yeah, no, he's he's good, and then he choked. I think he shot right. eighty. Right, what he, was he really fell apart. It was the players. He shot seventy eight on Sunday, and it, on the Arnie Palmer, he shot sixty five on Saturday, and then shot eighty one. Yeah, he shot eighty one on Sunday at Arnie Palmer, choked, and then the next weekend at the players, he was on the leaderboard and shot seventy eight and choked, and then somehow like limps his way into the cut at the Valero Open and shoots a 69, which I guess is obviously a good score. So, yeah, I like the games there. When you, when you look at those those tournaments that you just mentioned with the sixty with the 81 and 78 on Sundays, like that's a 36 overall finish. A lot of water, a lot right. of water, though. A lot of, a lot of water this week? I think, I think there's a 
there's a couple couple when you're called harbor town i gotta imagine there's some water yeah, a couple yeah but, but what i was what i was really about to say is that i mean there is a tower you know on the <laughs> <laughs> if, what you saying? if you look at his his recent finishes and like say those those two that he collapsed at like if he doesn't collapse those are both probably top tens and then his his recent performances yeah. look a lot better with like a fifth at whatever the American Express tournament is. Yeah, and that's you're right. That is that is a great finish. At some point, the two of us will do a quick little ten minute podcast that highlights how underrated the sports industry pays no attention to how much golfers make. Like Hideki Matsuyama made over two million dollars. Second place made like four, like one point four million dollars. If you just showed up at Augusta this week, you got a check for ten thousand dollars. Even if you missed the cut, came in dead last. Adam Scott finished last, who made the cut. He got a check for twenty six thousand dollars and change. That's so cool. It's absurd. You get to play. You get to play Augusta for for four days, and you just get twenty six thousand dollars for it. No, no, yeah, no. Even if you if you miss if you're Ian Woosnam who won the Masters in like 1991, he's like 68 years old and played great. Shot eight over for two days, got paid ten thousand dollars to walk the grounds and play. That's the coolest is, thing. That ever. is actually just absurd. Um, so those are your top guys in the in the six thousand range. You playing any Thork Red? Those are my top two. And then Dork Redmond didn't show up. I always wait for him to get a little hot before I start playing him again. Like he, yeah. he has not shown any good form recently, right? No good form. I I I sometimes like to play Mav McNeely. The only reason I don't play him sometimes is because his dad's a billionaire, so he has really nothing to play for other right. than himself. Like gets caked out so that's the only thing that fades me from him but he is pretty good game that at 6700 i mean i don't know if you need if you need sprinkles down low he's definitely someone who i would advise i i like that he had a little hot run in was it january late last year early this year yeah he hasn't played well he hasn't played well recently and another guy i like at 6500 and the stats probably don't back it up. I just randomly like him as Will Gordon. Yeah, he shows up like every once in a while. He's there. You are right that the stats don't. But then he shoots four over out of nowhere. Are you playing any Italian Hogue so, or what? Tom Hoagie is always on my radar because he's just always. so ugly. If you're this ugly, you, you ha- and you're on the tour, like the only thing you care about is golf. And he's, he just, I mean, honestly, in the last like year, he's just been uh, consistently pretty decent. So I actually really do like the hoagie here. Um, I know, I know. You <laughs> so a uh, couple other guys in the, in the 6,000 range, you mentioned his name earlier in the RBC guys, and you would never expect that I would like this guy, but at a course like this, Jim Furyk could easily dial up a top 10. Weirdly, right? he could. Right? You don't need a ton of distance. This has his name. This has his name written. Right. Like if I land in six point six, like I got Ches Revy a little bit higher in my value rankings, but I'm going to keep defaulting to Jimmy Furyk for the 
RBC factor and the fact that it's it's probably a w- little bit of a wedge fest, shorter course, and you know Jim Furyk is just a phenomenal golfer. I'm pretty sure he's won there before, which is how a lot of these guys end up with the RBC sponsorship as they win this tournament, and then they just dial mm. them right up. And again, this course doesn't favor length. He's someone who, I mean, his swing is the ugliest on tour, but he hits fairways. And if it's not that long, um, he's the he's he's a great value guy. Glad you so like I'm with it. you on him. And no one, and no one's Zero going people. to talk he's, about He him. always shows up. Like if you play him, you know you're going to open up the app and you're going to see four percent ownership, at most. Yeah. And I mean, pretty much farther down, I mean, I would say it's a fucking crapshoot for anyone under 6,400. I mean, I got Scott Pierce. He's a guy who who I would say would be my pick. He randomly plays well at these types of tournaments. And he's like a first-round leader type of guy. It's funny you say that Um, because my number one value ranking player under six point. 6K is Scott Piercy at 6,300. Yeah, he's, I mean, right? He's, he's just a, without even knowing that, he's a guy that plays well at these tournaments who, like, goes out and he's a guy who likes to show his name on the leaderboard going into Saturday and then kind of disappears, but just keeps his torque. You know, it, that's all you need. He looks like he needs a cigar in his hands at all times. Like, he's in, like, He's panicking when he's not allowed to be smoking. Right. Like his friends camera. like his friends definitely get afraid to play golf against him when he like has a couple couple shots in him and he's down he's on his second cigar after the the front nine. Like people are Yeah. Before the before the turn right, he's already two right. stogies down. And and four and four shots to kill right. and a couple like if, of if that shots. was part of the tour, like Scott Pierce, he, he goes right along with, with uh Shane Lowry, like if you had to drink and like and smoke cigars in the course, no matter they'd what. win every week. Unless you're allowed to do a little bit of cheesecake, then DJ <laughs> would win every week. And probably, <laughs> I mean, that was again. That was obviously no surprise to see that that was the dessert for his <laughs> Masters Champions dinner. Cheesecake. It was like no shit, DJ. Like. Would if that was if if I could have bet that I would have I would have mortgaged everything and taken out every four hundred one k loan possible that that would be the dessert. You know who's and and you know and when they said that there was a little graham cracker crumble on top, that's a little mystery. <laughs> what might have been in there? Why do you think he missed the cut? He was fucking getting juiced up at the champions dinner I love on cheesecake. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, so let's do it. Let's 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 put this to an end. Let's uh let's do our finishing thing that we're gonna try and do, and let's build our lineup. You give me a guy, and then I'll give you a guy, and we'll, we'll work our way down. I love this. This is uh one of my favorite things to do. Um, who's gonna be my first overall pick? You know, I think with the conversation that we had earlier, I I can't have a a short-term memory here. I've got to go Will Zalatoris at 9,700. 
we, we know we're playing in one way or another, so let me just lead off. Big, big dog. All right, so then let's follow the same thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna stamp it right on top of you. As much as I almost want to go with Shane Lowry, I think I'm going to have to stamp oh, baby. answer. Love the answer play. Love that. Love that. Now I will use my uh, my recency bias a little bit. I'm going to go what we just talked about a few seconds ago, and that's the Gim Reaper. The Gim. The Gim Reaper. Okay, 6,900, leaving juice on the table. I love that. I love that. I think I think I'm going to have to take shaking that Ooh. ass. See woo. See woo. All right. This- we can make this work here. What if you took your boy Shane Lowry and we sprinkle Hoffman? Does that fit? Or Garcia? I think we're right around there. I mean, I guess. I don't know. You tell me. This is your pick. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. I'm not not too furious about it. I mean, what if I'm spring? I'm 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 testing some names out, so I apologize for the. I want to make sure you have good options. No, it's okay. I understand. I understand. I think I'm gonna go a little bit wild here. Yeah, give it and to me. I'm going all the way down to Stogerty Daniels, Scott Piercy at sixty three hundred. Scott Piercy, <laughs> yeah. we're playing Stokes. I mean that's obviously his name from here on out. He's <laughs> Stokes. And who knows if the guy's ever even smoked a cigar in his life. But he definitely There's does. No chance he doesn't. So then we have to There's play no, Penguin. No way around that. It's... Cameron Big Dick Smith. That... Or do we take double double that, cheeseburger? That is a tough call. If we're going bur- if we're going cheeseburger, we may consider going up to a young Jim Furick over over Stokes. Over Stokes. If we take Furick, you're saying we can take right on the on the nose at 10k. Okay, so then that's the question to be had: Do we want huge dick or do we want double? I I think what it comes down to is that one of us has to play the Furick lineup, and one has to play the Cam the Cam Smith lineup. All right, I'll take I'll take. I'll take double double on Jim Furyk, and you take. I'm taking. Who are you taking? Stogues. Stogues and big dick. and big dick. All right, so that's who we're rolling. That's with. exactly what we're rolling with. All right, that's the that's the RBC heritage. I mean, there's no place that you're going to get a better valuation than what you just got yeah. here. There's no way. There's no doubt in my mind. All right. We'll dial up something soon this week. As always, a pleasure to my good friend and your fan favorite, Mr. Matt Shanahan. Bye-bye.